Great to have you here tonight. I know we've taken time for a lot of other things this evening. And, uh, and so, listen, I won't keep you here unless the Lord wants me to keep you here. I won't keep you here very long at all tonight. And, uh, and so, typically, the last little bit, as we've been in our series on the Holy Spirit, we've been sort of brief on Sunday night, and I think we will be tonight. And really, I'm, really, I'm not even going to give you a, a lot of points and things like that. I will put a few uh, bullet points on the screen tonight. But uh, I want to share something with you tonight. I want to talk to you about this subject. We're on the Holy Spirit tonight. But this is the subject that I want to talk to you about tonight. Against such, there is no law. And so let's look at it tonight. We're going to go right back to where we've been for many weeks now, Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles, Galatians chapter number 5. And, uh, and when you find chapter 5, look for verse 16. And that's where we've been starting almost every week. And so uh, we're going to be there once again, but I want to show you something that the Lord showed me, and I believe it's going to be a help to you tonight. So Galatians chapter 5, when you find your place, if you'll stand tonight, listen, it's 713, and uh, we'll have you out of here in just a little bit, so uh, as much as you can, sort of forget about the time for just the next little bit, and, uh, and, and let the Lord give you something this evening. We're here tonight, we might as well get something, Amen. And we have, we've worshiped tonight. We've worshiped in spirit. And the Bible says that we're to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so we've worshiped in spirit tonight, but we want to worship the Lord in truth tonight. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, this I say then, walk in the spirit. Now we've learned that it's not enough just to take a step in the spirit. That, that speaks of energy, of getting involved, of getting active in the work of the Lord. Uh, we're to walk in the Spirit. We're to, we're to expel some spiritual energy. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. That's interesting, interesting phrase there. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And this is something else we learned in this series. We learned that if you cultivate a life that's given to the works of the flesh, it complicates life. It's complicated. It's messy. When you decide not to live for Jesus, man, it just makes life a mess. Look what he says. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. 17. 17 works of the flesh. And uh, boy, it just makes life so complicated. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Nine. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. But look at this little phrase. The Bible says, against such there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there's no law. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight, just for a few moments. And so you may be seated, and uh, let's have a word of prayer and thank the Lord for his blessings, and we'll jump into this, and, and uh, it's, it'll be simple, and I think you'll understand it. Father, we love you. 
Wow. Glad I came on a Sunday night. Thank you, Father, for meeting with us. And maybe you're not quite done. God, maybe there's others that need to make decisions before this service is done. Maybe there's others that need to be saved. Maybe there are people watching tonight that need to call the prayer line. Lord, whatever the case may be, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do your perfect will and that folks would come to Christ and that Christians would be encouraged and built up in the faith and edified. And Father, I pray that we'll leave this place being able to say it was so good to be in the house of the Lord. Father, bless our discussion now. We plead the blood of Jesus over this service and we're so thankful for that shed blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary that saves us and redeems us. And we plead that shed blood and we ask you now for your help. And we ask you, Lord, for your touch. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do and all that you've done and all that you're going to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And I am specifically interested in that phrase there in verse number 23, against such there is no law. I want to ask you a question. Why would there be a law against such wonderful, wonderful qualities like love, joy, peace, gentleness, faith, temperance, goodness? Why, why would there be... Why would there be a law? Why, why does the Bible say that against such? It mentions all these wonderful virtues of the Holy Spirit, and then it says against such there is no law. Let me see if I can help us with that a little bit tonight, and if we can understand a little bit about the law, I believe that it'll help us understand what the Bible's teaching. And when I say law, I'm referring to what's referred to as the revelation of the will of God, and specifically tonight, that's set forth in the Old Testament. Then that was divided up into several different parts. There was what we would call the ceremonial law, the ceremonial law prescribed under the Old Testament. And in that ceremonial law were the rites and ceremonies of worship, that Old Testament sacrifice that we preached about. Then there was the judicial law, the law which directed the, the policy or the civil policy of the Hebrew nation. And then there was the moral law. And I'm really really interested in that part of the law tonight. The moral law is that revealed will of God uh, as to human conduct binding on all men to the end of time. That moral law is perfect and perpetual and holy and good and spiritual and exceeding broad. But I want you to understand something about the law. The law was actually made for the unrighteous. The law was made to show the unrighteous their sinfulness, to remind them of their need of a savior, that they needed a redeemer. That's what the law was really about. Let me tell you what the law did. The law reminded man of God's holiness and his divine morality, but at the same time, it reminded man of man's wickedness. That's what, that's what the law did. It was like a mirror, <laughs> And, it, and in that mirror, if you will, it showed just how great God was, but it showed just how wicked man was. And when man compared himself to God's law, it revealed that man was incredibly weak. It, it, it proved his inability to live perfectly 
and sinlessly. But I, want, I don't want you just to take that because the preacher says it. I want you to see it. So I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn over to the book of, of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, in your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and look at verse number 8 with me tonight, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and look at verse number 8. Again, that law was made, actually the law was made for the unrighteous. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul the apostle speaking to Timothy here says in verse 8, but we know that the law is good. If a man use it lawfully, verse nine, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So again, the law of the Lord was actually created to show man his weakness and his inability to, to reach the stature of God. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn back to the book of Romans. We were in Romans this morning in our Sunday school class. I want you to look at Romans chapter seven tonight. Romans chapter seven. And look at verse number five tonight, if you will. Romans chapter number seven. If you're in the book of Timothy, just turn left and go back a little bit. Romans chapter seven. And look at verse number five. The Bible says, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Look at verse seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. And so the law, again, the law was put there to show us our weakness. The law was put there to show us our unrighteousness. The law was put there to show us that, listen, friend, we can't make it to heaven on our own. We need a redeemer. We need a savior. We need a so great salvation. By the way, interesting, as I was just having my devotions this week, uh, I came across John 15, 22, and you don't have to go there necessarily, but have you ever wondered, uh, Jesus went about doing good, he healed, he fed the sick, he uh, uh, was just, you know, constantly being, being a blessing to so many. You ever wonder why they hated Jesus so bad? Listen to John 15, 22. Jesus said, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. In other words, Jesus said, I came and I was the law. I was the, I was the, the, the literal, the living law. And it showed them their inability to get to heaven without salvation. Had it not been for God's law, we might never have known that we were sinners Boy, thank God, I had a preacher, a faithful preacher who pre preached at the same church for over 40 years and every, every week he would proclaim the, the law and preach the law of the Lord. And as he preached that law, you know what it did? It revealed to me that I had a need <laughs> and that need was a redeemer. I needed a savior. It showed me that I could not get to heaven on my own. It showed me that I was not perfect. It showed me that I was weak. It showed me that I was wrong. It showed me that I needed the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go a little further here. And I purposely picked out this screen, so I wanted you to see this speed limit sign there tonight. 
When you're driving down the interstate, occasionally you'll see something called a speed limit sign. That speed limit sign has a very specific purpose. It represents the law. Now stay with me. <laughs> Don't bow your heads, it's not time to pray, all right? Okay. I knew this part would be a little convicting. It represents the law. Now, what does that speed, speed limit sign does? It reminds you of something. It reminds you when you're driving according to the law or you're breaking the law by speeding. Again, that speed limit sign is a reminder of right or wrong. Sometimes you're going down the interstate and occasionally you'll, you'll, you'll see a law enforcement officer or have you ever done this? This happened to me the other night and I'm just driving down the interstate. I look in my rearview mirror and there he is, man. I mean, he is right behind me. And, uh, and you know what? It don't matter if you're not speeding or not. You still slow down, don't you? You, you still do. Now, wait a minute now. That's, that's great illustration. Now, you know why you do that? Because that law enforcement officer, whether it's a deputy sheriff or, uh, or North Carolina State Patrol, or whatever the case may be, you know what he does? He serves as a reminder of the law. Sometimes you're going down the interstate or going down a road, and occasionally law enforcement will leave a car, doesn't even have a law enforcement officer in it. But if there's just an empty car sitting on the, uh, on the, uh, the side of the interstate, you know what that, that, that empty car is doing? It is reminding people of the law. That law is a constant reminder of possible wrongdoing. Now, I just want you to get that in your, in your head tonight. With that said, there are some things that are sometimes associated with breaking of the law. And we'll, we'll just... Throw these up on the screen real quick and we're gonna be on our way. How about this? Number one, sometimes when you break the law, it's associated with regret. Regret, regret, all right? Old story, old story. Young lady grew up in a Christian home. Mom and dad loved the Lord, weren't perfect, weren't perfect, but loved the Lord, tried to, you know, tried to bring her up right, tried to teach her right, tried to keep her, you know, keep, you know, keep her away from the wrong crowd. And, uh, but she got to go into, got to go into high school, got to hang around the wrong crowd and, and uh, you know, got a little older and spring break, uh, you know, spring break was there and a lot of the kids were going down to Daytona, Florida. And so she came to her mom and dad and she said, listen, uh, I wanna go, wanna go, wanna go. And she just begged them and begged them and begged them. And, and uh, at first they said, listen, there's not even a chance. You're not going, there's no way. And she said, oh, mom and dad, listen, please let me go. And boy, she just, she just promised them that they were gonna do everything right and weren't gonna get in any trouble and, uh, and, uh, and she was gonna abide by their rules and, and all those things. And what that mom and dad didn't know is nothing could be further from the truth. They shouldn't have done it, but that mom and dad gave in. And they said, you know what? It's against our better judgment. We're gonna let you go. And so they, they, they let her go with her friends and they had already constructed a plan. There was a little boy at the school that she was sweet on and he was quite a bit older than her. And they had already planned that week since nobody was gonna be there. Mom and dad weren't gonna be there. Uh, you know, and so they, they planned to put that little girl, that little uh, innocent girl and that boy, they planned to put them in a hotel room by themselves during spring break. And that week, that young lady raised in a Christian home, lost her purity, lost her innocence, and, and knew that if mom and dad found out about it, knew that mom and dad would be so disappointed, was raised right, knew what was right, and knew they'd be so disappointed, but it goes much further than that. You see, when you break the law, 
it, it's often associated with regret. So several days, they were immoral, and she was immoral, that young man, and, and you know, he told her all the right things, man, I love you, and, and uh, you know, I really care about you, and all those kind of things, just trying to get what he wanted. Several days went by. They were getting close to the end of the trip. She woke up in the hotel room, and uh, you know how you are sometimes when you wake up in, a, uh, in, in a, a, a strange place and you have to get acclimated to where you were. And she had to remember where she was. I'm not at home. I'm down here at spring break. I'm in a hotel room. I'm with this uh, young man. And she woke up and the young man was gone. And uh, she thought, where is he? She looked around. She didn't see any of his belongings. And so she jumped out of the bed. She thought, well, maybe he's out on the balcony. And so she ran out on the balcony and, and he wasn't out on the balcony. And she began to look around the room and scan the room. And, and she noticed his luggage was gone and all of his belongings were gone. And, and she thought, you know, where's he at? Where's he at? Maybe he's in the restroom. And so she ran in the restroom. And that young man had taken a, a stick of her lipstick and he had written in big, bold letters on the mirror, welcome to the world of AIDS. Now, you know what that is? That's regret, friend. That's regret. When you break the law, you know what? It comes with regret. It comes, it comes with great, great regret. Uh, we've had people here, you know, people that I love, people that I care about, and they, they've left the church and got out of the will of God. And, and, uh, and, and I, I, how many times, how many times have I had people come to me and say, preacher, we never knew. We never knew we'd do what we were gonna do. Regret. Listen, when you break the law of God, there's regret. But I wanna tell you something else. Not only regret, but how about this? There's remorse. When you break the law of God, it's associated with remorse. Hey, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn over to the Old Testament. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse 11. Man, you know what? When I thought about remorse, you know what I thought about? I thought about David. David. Boy, David got in a mess, didn't he? Romans chapter 12, I'm, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, and look at verse number 11. Now, we know what happens in 2 Samuel 11. David has committed an awful sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He's got her pregnant, and then he tries to cover up his sin by having her husband uh, murdered, and uh, I mean, just a downward spiral, and, 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 and our Bible says that God sends Nathan, the prophet, to, da to David, and he confronts David with his sin, and look what happens in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 11. Uh, the prophet Nathan is speaking to David and he says in verse 11, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. By the way, later in your devotions, later in your devotions, go to Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, we find David repenting. We find David coming clean. We find David getting right with God. And boy, in Psalm 51, we find, we find David pouring his heart out to the Lord in remorse and saying, oh, Lord, I messed up. Lord, I blew it. Lord, I ruined my testimony. Lord, I lost my favor with you. 
and uh, remorse. Oh, listen, when you break the law of God. Hey, young people, listen to me tonight. I don't know much, but I know this. When you break God's law, it's associated with remorse. It's associated with remorse. You say, preacher, you, you don't know everything. You're right, I don't know. And the more you learn, the more you learn, you don't know. But I know enough to tell you this. When you get away from God and you get out of the will of God and you get away from the Bible and you get away from church, I want to tell you something. Oh, listen to me. Remorse is on the way. It's on the way. I pastored a little family. This has been, all oh, this has been many years ago now. I pastored a little family and, and they, were having some, they were having some issues and just a uh, little wife, you know, was so hopeful that her husband would, 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 would get right with God. And he did for a little while. He got right with the Lord and, and, and something happened and he backslid and just went out one night and got in terrible trouble. And I think he was drinking really bad. They picked him up and took him over to Ardo County Jail. And she was so disappointed and she was so disgusted. I remember carrying on the, on the conversation right down here behind the old building, right down here, and she was just brokenhearted. And they had him in Iowa County lockup, and he had to, you know, he had to stay there at least a night or two. And and she said, "Preacher, I want." She said, "Would you go get him? I don't want to go get him. Would you go get him out of jail?" And I said, "Yes, ma'am. I'll go. I'll go." He didn't know that, by the way. He didn't know I was coming. And so sure enough, I went down and he, he had, you know, his time, he put his time in and, and I went down, you know, and I told him who it was and I told him who I was there to receive. And, and so they went back, you know, and they, they told him, said, listen, uh, your ride is here and, and you're released. And they gave him his court dates and all those kinds of things. And he still didn't know. He, he thought his little wife was coming, I guess, to, to pick him up. And, and so they bust him through this door and then bust him through that door. And I'll never, listen, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. They bust him through that last door and he came through that last door and preacher was standing there. I'll never forget it. He didn't say not one word. You know what he did? He just, just lowered his head and just sobbed like a baby. Just, I'm talking just blubbered like a baby. You know why? Remorse. He was so embarrassed. Oh, there was so much shame Man, here's my pastor coming. To, you know, my pastor's poured into me and preached and had loved me and tried to help me and tried to be a blessing to me. And, and my wife's disappointed in me. And my, my pastor disappointed in me. And my, my own pastor's got to come and, and pick me up from jail. Oh, listen to me. When you break the law of God, it comes with regret. And when you break the law of God, it comes with remorse. But there's something else. When you break the law of God, it comes with retribution. You say, Pastor, what is retribution? Retribution is the dispensing of punishment. In other words, when you break the law, it comes with pain. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Now, my parents taught me that early in life. And you, most, uh, you, you, little, you young, younger people, don't, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about right now, but you, some of your older folks that are from around here, how many remember when Harmon's Grocery Store was down in Statesville? Y'all remember that? Harmon's, yeah, Brother Allie, you remember Harmon's, Brother Nelson? Harmon's Grocery Store. And uh, that's where we used to go get our groceries. Mom would go get her groceries. And I was just, I was just a little, I was just a little guy. And uh, I don't even know if I was in school yet. If I was, it had to be first grade probably, at least, you know, I couldn't have been over first grade. 
I remember, you know, I went with mom and we went to Harmon's grocery store to get, uh, to get groceries and, uh, and we had a big family and mom would just fill up a cart, you know, and sometimes two. And we went to the checkout and, and uh, they ran all the stuff through and bagged it up. And that's back in the days when they'd bag your stuff up and they had bag boys too and they'd take you to your car and help you load it up in your car. And so they, they took us out of the car and loaded up all the bags in the car and we got in the car getting ready to go. And, and, uh, and I had a three musketeer in my hands and man, I pulled that, I opened that three musketeer and I just started eating that three musketeer. My mom bought a lot of stuff that day but she knew she didn't buy a three musketeer. And she said, where'd you get that at? <laughs> And boy, you know what? When you know they got you dead to rights, there's no use of an answer, amen? I mean, the head goes down, and she said, where'd you get that at? And she knew where I got it at. Man, I took it. I took it. You say, Pastor, I can't believe that. I did, I took it. And you, you say, what, what'd you do? Retribution came. And buddy, I'm telling you, my mom tore me up. I'm telling you, tore me up. I mean, right there in the front seat of the car, uh, you say, Pastor, you mean that? You mean that she laid a hand on you? No, she laid a lot of hands on me. That's what I'm saying. I mean, she tore me up, brother, tore me up. Man, listen, if there'd have been a, if there'd have been a smoke alarm in that car, it'd have come on that day. I'm telling you, it'd come on. Man, she spanked me. She wore me out. But wait a minute, that's not all. She wore me out, and then she said, you take what's left of that candy bar back in that store and tell them what you did. Wow. If we got back to that kind of, that kind of discipline, you wouldn't have to worry about the jails being overflowing today. And you go right back in there and you tell them what you did and you apologize. And uh, you know what that's called? That's called retribution. And when you break the law, this is what I'm saying. When you break the law, it's associated with things like regret. When you break the law, it's associated with things like remorse. When you break the law, it's associated with things like retribution. But wait a minute, turn back over to Galatians 5 real fast, real fast, and we're almost done. Galatians chapter 5, and I want you to look at verse number 22. Again, I want to say this. While you're looking at Galatians chapter 5, when, when you break the law, there's regret. When you break the law, there's remorse. When you break the law, there's retribution. Galatians 5.22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law in other words to so the person who walks in the spirit and bears the fruit of the spirit against this person there is no law in other words you know what our Bible's saying there that person that walks in the Holy Spirit and bears the fruit of the spirit doesn't have to worry doesn't have to worry about regret. Oh, yes, good neighbor. I wish somehow I could just open your head up and pour this in so you'd be sure that you get it. That person that walks in the Spirit and lives in the Spirit and lives in the will of God doesn't have to worry about retribution, doesn't have to worry about remorse. There's no remorse in walking in the Spirit. There's no regret in walking in the Spirit. You don't have to worry about retribution and repercussions when you're walking in the Spirit. And this is what our Bible is telling us, a wonderful, wonderful truth, that the Spirit-filled life is a life that's free of worry. Against such there is no law. <laughs> 
Man, all these other things are gonna remind us that we're, that we're weak and we're imperfect. But if you live in the spirit against such, there is no law. You can lay your head down at night and you can sleep like a baby. You can look at people without hanging your head. Tell you something else, you can face death without anxiety. You don't have to go there. In 2 Timothy chapter four, you can just think about it and jot it down in your mind. 2 Timothy chapter four, you know what? Paul is at the end. He's at the end. Church, I'm telling you, Paul's getting ready to lose his head. Nero's getting ready to take his head. By the way, isn't it something? The emperor Nero took off the head of Paul. Now people name their dogs Nero and they name their sons Paul. But anyway, anyway. And Paul knows, Paul, Paul knows he's at the end of his life. And yet Paul says something like this, I'm ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there has laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Somebody says, Pastor, how could Paul face death with that kind of an attitude? Because against such, there is no law. Paul said, I don't have anything to regret. I'm not looking forward to the future with remorse. Paul said, man, I'm looking forward to heaven. Because I've walked in the spirit. Dwight Lyman Moody, the great evangelist, was on his deathbed. His family had surrounded the bed and they were trying to comfort their daddy. And D.L. Moody said these words. As he's getting ready to take his last breath, he said this, earth recedes, heaven opens before me. And D.L. Moody said, if this is death, it's sweet. There's no valley here. God's calling me and I must go. This is my coronation day, he said, and it's glorious. You say, man, pastor, how could somebody facing death say something like that? Because against such, there is no law. Hey, we're, we're done. So here recently, I've had a lot of meetings up toward Yadkinville and East Bend, and, and I've been traveling 421 a lot. And I don't know how many of you travel 421, but one thing I've learned about 421 is they monitor 421 pretty closely. Uh, usually, you'll see uh, the highway patrol, you'll see them, you'll see them pretty often. And so the, the other day, I'm going down Highway 421. Sure enough, sure enough, man, there's those blue lights. Man, those blue lights are going. Thank, thankfully, not behind me, but th there's blue, those blue lights are going. And he had a guy, he had a guy pulled over. And uh, because I guess he was speeding. And then I was going down 421 again. And there he was, sitting in the middle of the interstate, just waiting. And then I was going down 421 again, just this week. And, and there he was, sitting up on the ramp, you know, just waiting for somebody to come by, going too fast. And uh, you say, how about you, preacher? I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. You know why? Because when I get on 421, you know what I do? I set my cruise. I set my cruise. When the, within the legal limit, and I don't have to worry about if he's in front of me or behind me. You know why? Because against such, there is no law. I don't have to worry. I, I don't have to worry about that. I thought about this. I thought about, you know, several years ago, I was out, I was working outside at my house and, uh, and one of our former bus kids that we picked up, uh, we, we started picking him. It was just a, little, just a little kid and he'd grown up and he was, you know, practically an adult now. And he'd gotten into some really bad trouble with the law and he came by my house just out of the blue, just came by my house. And I welcomed him and we embraced and 
if I remember right, and just I tried to love on him a little bit, and he said, Brother Steve, he said, would you take me somewhere? He said, I need to go somewhere. And he said, I don't have a car. He said, would you take me somewhere? And I said, yeah, I'll take you. And so we loaded up. We, we loaded up in the car, and I began to talk to him a little bit and ask him about how things were going and about his life. And I could tell, I could tell, boy, things were complicated. Because when you cultivate a life to the works of the flesh, life gets messy. And I'm just trying to talk to him a little bit, trying to, you know, trying to talk to him about the Lord. And, and we're driving across town there in Statesville. And I noticed something. I noticed that, that every time we would pass a police officer, I noticed he'd do this. He'd always look the other way or he'd put his, he'd, you know, he'd act like I, I didn't see what he was doing, but he'd put his hand up like this right here. You, you know why he did that? Because against such, there is a law. When you live like that, when you break the law of God, you live life with remorse and regret. That lifestyle brings sadness and anxiety and pain and remorse and depression. I just, listen, this is a simple, this is a simple message that you'll ever hear. Hey, teenagers, young people, hey, boys and girls, listen to your pastor tonight. I'm just telling you, Brother Rodney said it right. The, the, the greatest life you'll ever live is a life dedicated to Jesus Christ because when you live that kind of life, you don't have to worry anymore. Well, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder if I'm gonna regret this. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. I've had a lot of people, you know, I've had a lot of people come up to me in all these years I've been pastor now and, they, and they'd come and they'd say, preacher, they'd say, well, I regret the fact that I didn't get saved a long time ago. Preacher, I wasted 20 years of my life. Boy, if I'd have known it, is this good? I'd have got saved a long time ago. I've never had not one, I've never had not one person come to me and say, Preacher, I regret getting saved. Preacher, I regret the day that we gave our life to Jesus. I regret the day we dedicated our home to God. I've never had that happen. But oh, I've had people come to me with tears in their eyes and broken hearts and saying, oh, my life's a wreck. My life's a mess. My wife just left me. My kids don't care about me. They don't want me to call. They don't want me to come. I mean, preacher, I'm in a mess. You know why? Because against such, there is a law against such as that. But when you live according to the will of God, boy, thank God. When you're walking in the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit against such, there is no law. Come on up, Brother Abel. Come on up. John Peterson wrote these words. Life has purpose now. It never had before. There is meaning to each day and even more. For a joy and peace I can't explain is mine since I found new life in Christ, my Lord divine. And then he went to write that course, and it goes like this. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it's wonderful to be redeemed, justified forever, reconciled. We're gonna sing that in just a minute. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads? I wonder how many are here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, I've got some regret. I've got some regret. Preacher, I've got some remorse. Pastor, I need, I need you to pray with me tonight. Well, I'm, I'm suffering some, some restitution, 
some retribution. I need to walk in the Spirit. Let me ask this. How many here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that here tonight? Anybody like that here tonight? Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you please remember me in your prayers? Without anybody looking, would you just slip your hand up and let me pray for you tonight? Pastor, remember me. I see that hand. Is there somebody else? Anybody else? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me tonight? Is there anybody else? You slip your hand up. I see that little hand. Is there somebody else? Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You slip your hand up. Anybody else like that? All right, I see that hand. Let me ask you this, though. How many are here tonight? You say, Pastor, I am saved. I can, I can take you to the, the, the place, the time. I, I know I received Jesus. I'm, I believe in the Lord. I know, I know I'm saved. But I've not been living according to the will of God. I've not been walking in the Spirit. And because of that, boy, there's some things in my life that just aren't, aren't great. There's some things that shouldn't be there. And God knows what it's all about. He knows all about it. And I want you to pray for me. Without anybody looking, not nobody looking, you just slip your hand up very quietly and say, Pastor, remember me, remember me, remember me, remember me. Yep, 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 yep. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's do this, church. Let's all stand tonight, if you would. Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had together tonight. Lord, it's been a good day today. You've been so good to us. Oh, God, there's nothing like living for Jesus. There's nothing, Lord, like living in the will of God. God, thank you so much. I don't have to go home tonight worried about regret, worried about remorse. God, thank God when you walk in the Spirit of God, against such there is no law. Father, thank you for that. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd have your way in this invitation. Father, these that have raised their hands and said they're not sure of heaven, God, tonight I pray that you'd help them to come. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd show them their need and reveal to them the gospel. And I pray tonight that you'd change their life forever forevermore. God, these that are here tonight that maybe tonight need to come and just recommit their life to walking in the Spirit, I pray they'd do that tonight. God, work tonight. I pray that you would. And we thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would tiptoe down and find a place on the altar tonight. And a personal worker is just somebody we have down here with a Bible. And if you're here tonight and the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, about something you need to do, about a decision that you need to make. If you raised your hand a moment ago and you need somebody to help you, somebody to pray with you, I want you to do this right now. I want you to slip out. I want you to slip out and I want you to come and there's gonna be somebody here to meet you and greet you in the altar. And we're gonna pray with you tonight. Amen, amen, thank you. Come on, while we're waiting, are there others? Would you come? Would you come while we wait? We're just gonna keep our heads bowed for a moment. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, would you come? Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Not sure that I'm going to heaven. Why, I need somebody to, to help me with that. Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Oh, I wanna live a life that's without remorse and regret, and retribution.
Hey, if that's you, come on tonight. Rededicate that life to Jesus. Would you do that? Would you do it? We've got somebody here to meet you and help you and pray with you. Will you come while we wait? Father, thank you. Thank you for your blessings. Oh, God, I know today this preaching's been, it's been simple. I know it has. But Holy Spirit, I pray that somehow you'd bring the increase from it. And Lord, I pray tonight that you just hit that truth home in the hearts of our people and the hearts of our young people that living a life for Christ is the greatest life you'll ever live. We heard it over and over and over again tonight. God, tonight, have thy way. Save the lost. Encourage the saved. God, do a great work tonight, please. And Father, we thank you. We thank you.